What's up, everybody? This is Sean here, your host, back with another episode of the Aligned and Well podcast. Um, so today I am going to be talking with Dawn Cacao. So she is a qualified nutritional therapist and an author. She recently launched her radical new book um, aimed at readers who want to get to the root causes of why their body is triggering cravings, overeating, or belly fat. Um, So she helps her clients really target these imbalances and find their unique path to lasting weight loss. And so the thing that we're really going to talk about today is why diets don't work, And we're going to be debunking some weight loss myths. Um, You know, having gone through my own weight loss journey and weight gain journey and then weight loss journey again, you know, I'm definitely not new to the yo-yo dieting. And um, and I really think that she has some some great insights into, you know, that we all have a different root cause of why our body is is triggering certain cravings, why we tend to overeat. And I like that she has a unique way of leading her clients to lasting weight loss because every person is different. Um, And weight loss is a huge topic in the health industry. And it's honestly, it it drives me nuts. (laughs) It drives me nuts that, um, that there's so much out there, so much misinformation out there. And so, um, so many programs that um, that offer quick fixes. If you can't see me using quotation marks, that's what I'm doing, um, or air quotes. <laughs> uh, but there's so many programs out there that offer quick fixes. And it, that's just, oh, I don't know. It really drives me nuts. So I'm really going to dive deep into why diets don't work and how you can actually learn about these emotional and psychological component of eating. And and she'll go through some tips on um, how people can lose weight and keep it off in a way that feels good and sustainable. You know, I've, I've tried a bunch of different programs. I've tried a bunch of different diets. Nothing really worked. And it really does come down to the individual and what works for that individual. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. Um, if you have your own weight loss journey and if you have... Um, a story that resonates with this episode, let me know. I hope you guys enjoy it and let's get into it. Hi friends, my name is Sean Arsenault, but you can call me Shawnee. I'm a board certified nurse coach and holistic healer, and I want to help you transform your life in a way that feels in total alignment with your heart and who you truly are. Each week, I'll be sharing with you my tips on how to become more empowered in your own wellness journey and create a vibrant, fulfilling life that reflects your values and your truth. You'll hear insightful interviews on different life and wellness topics and stories from myself and other beautiful souls who share my mission of spreading love and light in this sometimes dark world. My hope for this podcast is that you will walk away feeling inspired and more aligned in your purpose. This is your permission to get curious and lean into your intuition as we all learn and grow together. Welcome to the Aligned and Well podcast. Dawn, I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for interviewing with me. Well, thank you for inviting me on. I'm really excited to be here. 
Yeah. So I really love the topic that we're talking about today. But before we dive into that, can you just kind of shortly introduce yourself to my listeners and um, give a short background of who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, My name is Dawn Cookout. I'm a qualified nutritional therapist and I help people bring their bodies into balance and to help them find their own unique way of uh, to lasting weight loss. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. And so one of the things that came up for me too, as, um, as I kind of learned a little bit more about you and what you do and you help people with weight loss, what, what was it that inspired you to, to help people in this way and to help people in their weight loss journey? Well, for me, I think there were a lot of different threads that came into it, but what made me first go and study nutrition was I used to have terrible, terrible period pains and I didn't know what to do about them. I was in agony every month. And the doctors were suggesting that an exploratory operation was the next step. And I really didn't want to go there. And I went to see a nutritional therapist. And to be honest, I didn't really have high hopes. I tried lots of different things. And within three months of, well, I went to see her. And she explained to me how the inflammatory mediators in my body were triggering the period pains. Mm. And I changed my diet. And within three months, I never had period pains again. So that was what got me on the path to nutrition. So I decided to go and study nutritional therapy. And whilst I was still studying, it was in training clinic. And one of my very first training clinic clients was someone that came to me for weight loss. So she came to see me and, you know, she was this great person. We had a real laugh together. She was, and she was really excited about working together. And we put together this plan that would help her to lose weight. And she went away and she came back to see me again four weeks later. And she'd gained half a stone because she couldn't follow the plan. So she'd kind of given up. And I wasn't able to see her again because it was training clinic. But I couldn't let that go because I'd left this job in IT as a project manager to go and do something more meaningful. And here was I making the situation worse. And my tutors didn't know what I could have done differently. And this has ultimately led to years of research into why people have cravings, what triggers them, what triggers that drive to overeat? Why do you store more fat than you need? So that's kind of how I ended up working in the whole weight loss area. Uh Yeah, But I also have my own story with my own eating. I mean, I had a terrible relationship with food for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, From the age of 12, I had, well, I kind of stopped, well, I stopped eating when I was 12, which for about a week, which then led to a whole cycle of, of not eating properly, then overeating, binging, which ultimately led to bulimia. Mm. And I was bulimic for a couple of years. So I totally get how hard it can be to eat healthily when you've got those cravings. Yeah. And so I think all these different threads played into where I am now. Yeah. Wow. That is, as you were experiencing like this, these period pains at first and realized like, that blew my mind that they immediately jumped to an exploratory surgery and didn't like, you know, present you with alternative options that was that's mind-blowing to me oh well they they wanted me to go on the pill they Uh, um they were giving me prescription painkillers which I was taking but they didn't really touch the edges of it yeah Um, they even told me to go and have a baby but I didn't have a partner at the time that wasn't really an option (laughs) I I don't think that's a great solution anyway yeah well like yeah and the thing with that is that I think that prescription medication and surgery, those are just kind of band-aids, right? Like those period pains. Cause I mean, I, I kind of had a similar situation. I mean, I wasn't, you know, told to go get 
surgery or, um, you know, to get on like painkillers or anything, but there was a deeper reason for why I was having those pains. And whenever I started to eat healthier, they started to go away. So that is really interesting how that's really connected. And one of the things that I would love to dive a little bit deeper into is whenever you were on your own journey to eating healthier and to having a better relationship with food, what was it that kind of shifted things for you and, and made you want to, um, to heal that relationship? I don't think there was any one thing that really triggered that. But when you have such bad disordered eating as I have, it's a really horrible way to live. I mean, it kind of takes over your life. It yeah. takes over your whole emotional and, and mental capacity in many ways. It's kind of always there. Yeah. So I decided I really didn't want to do this anymore. So at first I did it by sheer willpower. Yeah. But willpower doesn't really work long term mm. because what's going on in your body is so strong. And sometimes it's your survival instincts kicking in because your body's out of balance. Mm. And then when you're fighting against that, you're actually fighting against your body's drive to survive. So ultimately it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did for a while. And on the surface, it was as if, um, you know, I was eating quite normally on the surface, but I hadn't really dealt with what was going on underneath. I still had that desire to, I still had cravings and things. I still had that drive to overeat. Mm-hmm. And then I went to see a clinical psychologist and I worked with her for a while. And that really, really helped me. And at the same time, I was also, I didn't really realize I was doing it at the time, but I was becoming a lot more interested in healthy eating. And I was actually bringing my body into balance with food and my lifestyle, even though I didn't know at the time that was what I was doing. Yeah. So this is why I kind of wish that I'd know I'd known then what I know now, actually. It would have been really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said willpower doesn't last long term. Can you um can you expand on that for me? And like that's that's a similar mindset too with like diets and why diets don't work long term. So how do those two kind of play together? Okay, so if you're relying on willpower, your body is telling you to do something. Maybe it's telling you to grab that chocolate bar, to grab that cake. There could be all sorts of reasons why your body is telling you to eat that cake, to eat that chocolate bar. But let's look at one that's kind of very obviously related to survival. Yeah. Let's say you're, you're very stressed. Now, your body is designed to have a fight and flight response to stress. So it thinks that you're using up a lot of energy with that fight and flight response. Mm-hmm. So your stress hormone cortisol is designed to make you want to eat calorific foods to refuel quickly after mm-hmm. that fight and flight. Mm-hmm. So, of course, in the days of our ancestors, when they were actually fighting or running away, you couldn't get a chocolate bar. You couldn't get a piece of cake. So that drive for kind of high sugar, high fat foods would have been making you eat something healthier that still gave you that kind of those kind of nutrients. Mm-hmm. But when we're resisting that now, we're actually resisting our body's drive for for survival. It's part of our fight or flight response that we're resisting. So what's going to win, really? It's not going to be your willpower. Your body wants you to survive. It doesn't know that nowadays these foods are readily available. It doesn't really know that nowadays you're really unlikely to get into a fight with someone or run away because you're stressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The body or our brains tell us the same, like they give us the same signals as like, if, if we were in an actual dangerous situation, which is interesting because like, you know, if we're kind of deciding between like a chocolate bar or something healthier, it's not a, (laughs) it's not a dangerous decision or life-threatening decision, but our brains can make us think that it is. So that's really interesting to, for people who have like this 
idea that I just need to be disciplined. I just need to have willpower and to to say no to the chocolate bar. It's almost not like giving yourself the freedom to listen to your intuition and to listen to your body and to, and to what it's telling you, right? Absolutely. And the key is to bring your body into balance so that you're not giving, your body's not giving you these signals. But let's say, for example, you're faced by, I don't know, a saber-toothed tiger. Mm -hmm. So you're releasing your stress hormones. Or let's say you haven't eaten for a long time, so your blood sugar level drops. Mm, And when your blood sugar level drops, your your body releases stress hormones to push it back up again quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, it's the same stress hormones in both cases. Whether you're facing that saber-toothed tiger or whether your blood sugar has dropped, they're completely different situations. But it's the same hormones with the same messages it's sending throughout your body. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how how people bring their body back into balance. But what I like to do with people, I like to find out what imbalances they have in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So it could be all sorts of things. It could be a hormonal imbalance and that could be stress hormones like we've talked about or blood sugar imbalances. It could be the hormones that regulate your appetite mm-hmm. or it could be you're low in certain nutrients such as the nutrients that regulate fat storage. Or it could even be to do with your gut bacteria, or you could have been exposed to hormones that disrupt your body, um, to obesogenic chemicals, sorry, that disrupt your body. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's going to be very different for different people. And that's why there is no one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. But then when you know what imbalances you have in your body, you can use food and lifestyle to bring that, that imbalance, you can to rebalance that imbalance, if you like, to bring your whole body back into balance. Mm. Yeah. So that kind of brings me into this curiosity of do you encounter, and I'm sure you encounter a lot of these as a weight, um, as a weight loss coach, but what are some of like the biggest myths that you find you have to debunk with a lot of the people that you work with when it comes to weight loss and eating healthy? Oh my goodness. There are so many myths about weight loss out there, aren't there? I mean, mean, the biggest myth of all, I guess, is that diets work because they don't, because nearly everyone puts the weight back on again and a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then again, this whole myth about willpower that we've already discussed, that's a Mm -hmm. really big myth about willpower, that if you can't eat healthily, you don't have enough willpower, because it's Mm -hmm. really not about that. Yeah. Um, So another really big myth is that a calorie is just a calorie. Mm -hmm. Now, it really makes a difference what what source you're getting those calories from. So to give you an example, you could eat um, a chocolate bar or you could eat hummus and carrot sticks that have the same number of calories. But they're going to have very different effects on your body. That chocolate bar is going to cause blood sugar imbalances and it's going to worsen some of the other imbalances in your body. So that's ultimately going to trigger you to eat more sugar later on, Mm. whereas or it may trigger you to store more fat. Mm-hmm. whereas the hummus and carrot sticks help body help balance your body in so many ways they're high in nutrients so you you feel less hunger they stabilize your blood sugar levels because they've got some protein with them um they have all sorts of benefits that help stabilize your body so even though they have the same number of calories they have different effects on your body mm-hmm. yeah i love that Because, you know, whenever people typically like, you know, I've done diets before too, right? And I always have this like, you know, I'm, I'm, I love sweets. I love chocolate. Chocolate's like one of my favorite things to eat, not because I'm like addicted to it or anything, because I love the taste. And that's an interesting perspective that you said, like a calorie is a calorie. And if your body is craving a chocolate bar, if your body is telling you to eat it, um, 
it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's not like a calorie that's going to add five pounds to yourself, you know? Yeah, it's about the whole effect that it has on you. But if you're eating chocolate, then if you have dark chocolate, for example, with less sugar, it actually has some antioxidants and things, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have as much sugar, so it doesn't have the same negative effect. Mm. And in fact, one of my clients, what she did when she was craving chocolate, Mm -hmm. she would melt some very dark chocolate, the darker she could find, onto some nuts. And then she would be able to eat that in small quantities. And what she found it did for is it reduced her chocolate cravings. So she was Mm -hmm. getting a bit of the chocolate, Mm -hmm. but she was having some protein with it to help stabilize her body. Ah, that's interesting. Another really good one for chocolate cravings is actually if you get strawberries or a sweet fruit and you dip it into some dark chocolate and let it set, you're only getting a tiny amount of the chocolate, but you're also getting that real sweetness of the fruit. And some people find that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of just finding ways to adjust maybe like the things that you're eating that you love, but in a healthier way that'll bring more balance to your body, right? Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I work with people to do to try and find healthier options that still give them what they feel they need. Because Mm. if you really want chocolate and you cut it out completely, then you're probably going to feel deprived. And this is what can lead to binging and things. Yeah. And in fact, with sugar, it's it's not a good idea to cut sugar out completely unless you can stick to it. Because Mm. when we cut out sugar and restrict it and then overeat it, that's Mm. what leads to sugar becoming addictive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, what are some other myths that you come across? Oh, my goodness. There are so many myths about diet. Um, one of them is artificial sweetness. People oh. think that artificial sweetness and diet drinks. So many people drink diet drinks thinking they're going to help them to lose weight. Yeah. Now, diet drinks might contain no calories or very few calories. Uh-huh. But artificial sweetness has been linked to weight gain, even if you don't consume more calories. It's because our bodies, they're not designed to handle sweet taste without calories. That doesn't happen naturally. And our mm. bodies aren't set up to deal with it. So if you drink diet drinks, you are you may well gain weight because of it. Wow. See, I did not, I didn't know that. Well, the diet industry is not going to tell you that, are they? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's another mm. thing too, like with the diet industry, like it must be like super frustrating as someone who kind of like knows a lot of the science behind nutrition and how it affects our weight and the imbalances in our bodies to see like the diet industry pumping out all of this information that is just making people buy more of the unhealthy things that are going to make them gain weight because they're marketed as like diet or low sugar or low fat or what have you. Oh my goodness. It is so frustrating because the the packaging can look like it's a really healthy food. Yeah. And low fat, that's another big myth. We think that low fat products are good for us if we're trying to lose weight, Yeah, but fat carries the flavor. And so manufacturers, when they take the fat out, like take a low fat yogurt, they Mm -hmm. often contain crazy amounts of sugar and some yogurts, some low fat yogurts contain more sugar than a chocolate bar. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is obviously really shocking. And people are buying it thinking they're being healthy and actually they're putting something really unhealthy into their body. Yeah. Can that's, that's an interesting um, topic to talk about, you know, the, the reading the label and making sure like what you're buying and what you're eating, what you're taking into your body um, is, nutritious, right? So can you talk about like, do you usually guide people to read um, food labels and be able to identify like, what are some red flags to look out for? 
Well, I encourage people to actually to move away from pre-processed food and to eat as naturally as possible. Okay. But there are definitely some things to look at on label. So, okay, so any ingredient ending in OSE is a sugar. Mm-hmm. If you read labels, or, or watch out for low-fat foods because they're fine if they haven't had any additives added to them. Mm-hmm. But then if they're adding lots of sugar, like we said, that's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, if it says no sugars, that often contains artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. So if it says no sugars, then that's one to watch out for as well. Wow. Um, what else is that? In fact, when you look at a label, if there's a whole host of ingredients and you don't even know what these things are, then you probably shouldn't be putting them into your body. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And we're so conditioned too to like go to the store and just like buy the things that we're used to buying. So do you find that there's like a, um, like a psychological, like habitual component to that too, to going to the store and not picking up the things that, that are kind of normalized in our society, but are really unhealthy for us? Yeah, absolutely. But what I do, what I found works much better is I encourage people to make one small change at a time. Mm, yeah. So when you're only, if you change all your diet at once, often you're looking for new foods and that can take quite a lot of time in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. And also it's hard to stick to. Yeah. Whereas if you make one small change at a time, it's not such a big change to do. And you only have to focus on one thing. Yeah. And I found that, that actually works really well for people. Yeah. That sounds a lot more doable too. It sounds, you know, and that's just the science of like building habits is working things one step at a time. And, you know, now, now that we're kind of talking a little bit about like the emotional and psychological component, like how do you address this and, you know, implementing healthier habits and making these small, small changes, how do you implement that and address that in your work with clients? The psychological and emotional side of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I do do certain things with people. Like one thing that can be really helpful is just to pause before you eat and slow the whole thing down Mm. and to actually tune into your body and what your body really wants. Are you eating because you want to eat or are you eating because you're stressed? Mm -hmm. And if you're stressed, then do something physical because that's what our body is designed to to, to have a physical response to stress. Are you eating because you're lonely? Are you eating because you're feeling down? Are you reaching for food to cheer yourself up? Mm-hmm. But with many of these things, you don't have that emotional component without a corresponding biochemical part to it. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about if you're stressed, you're releasing the stress hormone cortisol. Right. But let's say you're feeling down and you're reaching for sugar or carbs because you're feeling down. Then your levels of the feel-good chemical serotonin are low. So when you eat the, the carbs, the sugar, you release insulin, which carries the precursor of serotonin into your brain where it's converted to serotonin. So that's why you crave carbs when you're feeling low. So they're very interrelated, the whole emotional side and the biochemical side. So Mm -hmm. I predominantly come from the biochemical side and rebalancing your body. Mm -hmm. And that can also help with the emotional side. Mm -hmm. But having said that, if someone does have a lot of issues around emotional eating or a lot of psychological issues around it, Mm -hmm. then they may need psychological help on top of following this biochemical approach. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said too, about like understanding, like pausing before you're eating and understanding why, like, why am I eating? Um, and one of the things that like, I've even helped found helpful for myself is tracking, like tracking what I'm eating, not to count the calories, not to, you know, um, keep track of like the numbers per se, but mostly to just like track exactly what I'm eating and how it makes me feel so that I can have that data to make my decisions later on too. Um, yeah, that's, that's something that's really helped me. 
Another thing that can be really helpful is to put everything you plan to eat on your plate. Yeah. And then to sit down and to eat without distractions. When we eat with distractions, we eat a lot more and we don't always register we've eaten it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they did an experiment and they had women eating, listening to a recorded detective story. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the exact percentage, but I think it was around 25% more. But whatever it was, they ate significantly more when they were distracted and listening to this recorded story. Wow. Yeah. So it's so important to focus on your food when you eat and to enjoy it. Yeah. I actually did this the other day. I was eating um, like a piece of cheesecake and, I, you know, it was like half a piece of cheesecake. My husband and I had split it. And I sat there because we were both just sitting across from each other at the counter, at the kitchen counter. The TV wasn't on. There was no music playing. It was just us two. And I was sitting there and I was like eating the cheesecake and I was eating it very slowly. And I could just imagine like really enjoying the cheesecake and um, really like relishing in the, the taste of it. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, I don't want any more, you know, like whenever you spend time to enjoy your food and to really take in the experience of whatever the taste is and how, how much you enjoy the taste and having you stop whenever you're satisfied and not like overstuffing yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When we pay attention to what we're eating, we are less likely to end up binge eating. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that's a really big thing for people is when you eat slowly, you may notice that you're fuller, but it's okay to stop eating while you've still got food in your, on your plate. And it's amazing how many people are conditioned to keep eating until their plate is full. Maybe as a child, you were told to eat all your food up. They're starving children in the world. And people listen to other to what they're being told rather than listening to their own body. In yeah. fact, this is another really interesting study that was done. They found that up to the age of about four, children will eat the amount they need regardless of their portion size. But from the age of about four, they're more influenced by other, by external factors like being praised for eating up all their food. Yeah. And then by the age of four, if they're given a portion larger than they need, they'll actually eat 25% more. Yeah. Wow. I I remember that too. Like as a child, I was always told to clean my plate and that, you know, children were starving all over the world and I have to eat this almost as if like me eating the rest of my food was going to solve the starvation problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, which is so crazy. I'm one, it's, it's curious as to why, why that's so ingrained in our society to like finish our food and make sure our plates are empty and not waste, not be wasteful. Yeah. That, that seems to be like a really interesting pattern that is, it can be really hard to break, especially if you've been exposed to that kind of like mindset for a while and, you know, since childhood. Oh, it absolutely is. People have a really big problem leaving some of the food on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, do you have any like techniques that you use with people to, um, to kind of like deprogram themselves from that kind of thinking? I think what I like to do with people is to get them actually tuning into their own body to becoming more aware of what they need. Mm. But there's all sorts of practical things you can do. Yeah. Like, so for example, if you're having a meal, a lot of people put all the dishes on the table and let everyone help themselves. Yeah. But actually, if you serve up all the food in advance onto the plates and put them on the table, then put all the dishes on the side so people can go and help themselves to more if they actually need it. But then you're sat at the table and you're not, reaching for more food without really consciously thinking about it. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So there's a lot of really simple things that you can do like that. And eating off a slightly smaller plate as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're, um, if you're opening, say, a large bag of something, take what you plan to eat out, put it into a small bowl, then seal the packet and put it away before you sit down to eat it. Mm. So there's a lot of things like that, just really simple, practical things that you can do that can yeah. help you reduce the amount you, you want to eat. Right. Yeah. Almost like we were talking about earlier, creating those like small incremental habits and just making it easier for you to eat the portion size that you plan to eat or that you know is going to be, you know, satisfying and fulfilling for you without like mindlessly eating just because it's in front of you. Yeah. And make it harder to get the food. I mean, I did have one client that told me that she put the chocolate from Christmas. She put it in the attic. she wasn't going to just kind of reach for it yeah wow yeah that's a cool little hack especially for like I'm not suggesting everyone should put the chocolate in the attic but I'm just saying find what works for you yeah yeah absolutely yeah do you have like a typical process that you take clients through whenever they start to work with you to kind of like find a way of eating that works for them Yes, I do. What I I do, I start with, they do this mini course on their own, which takes Mm -hmm. about 90 minutes to do. Mm -hmm. And so it explains that it's divided into 11 units. So each one, it starts off with a very short video explaining how this imbalance triggers cravings or makes you store belly fat or makes you want to eat more than you need. Mm -hmm. And it's followed by a quiz. So you can see if that imbalance is relevant to you. Mm-hmm. So by the time you've completed this, you know exactly which imbalances in your body are triggering your cravings, which imbalances in your body are triggering your belly fat, yeah. which imbalances in your body are making you eat more than you need. Yeah. And then we go through a step-by-step process. So each week we make one change and you tailor that change to the imbalances in your body to target those imbalances, but also to your dietary preferences and requirements. So you may be a meat eater and you may be a vegan. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have different ways of eating. Mm-hmm. But you have to find what works for you and that rebalances your body. Yeah. So by the end of this process, you've got your own way of eating that targets the imbalances in your body that you enjoy, that works for you, that's mm-hmm. sustainable for you. Yeah. I love that. I love how individualized it is too for the imbalances in each person's body and like tailoring different things to what what their body needs in particular. And one of the things that I thought of too, as you were talking about that was how diets are very much like a one size fits all, you know, like you follow this particular diet, this program, and you're guaranteed this weight loss is what all the diets say, right? But I think that having having weight loss and having just like learning how to eat in a healthy way, be very individualized. It can scare some people, right? Because a lot of the responsibility is put on them. So how do you navigate that kind of fear around like having to take all that responsibility and like really um, being accountable to yourself? Well, I talk to anybody before I work with them anyway. And I think the kind of people that are attracted to me are really wanting to make a change, really want to take responsibility for their well-being. Yeah. To be honest, if they weren't, I, they probably wouldn't be ready to work with me yet. Right. But I think it is a big one because we have the whole society that's, you know, everyone's on a diet. My sister worked in an office once that was predominantly women. Actually, it was 100% women, I think, at that time. And she said she was the only person in her office at that time who wasn't on a diet. Mm-hmm. Even the people that weren't really overweight. So there's a whole culture around dieting and doing it together. And 
So it's so important to break free of that. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very, um, yeah, it can be a really like toxic culture almost with the, with the diet industry and all of the rules that are coming out and the different programs and the, the guarantees that you'll lose weight if you follow this program. And it really, all of these things are just kind of, you know, it really just depends on what your own personal needs are and what your body needs. And you're not going to be able to address that with a diet if you don't know what's going on underneath. And you may lose weight. If you follow the diet strictly, you may lose weight. But Mm -hmm. unless you actually address those underlying imbalances, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to regain that weight again in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Going on a cycle of yo-yo diets is also very demoralizing. Yeah. Yeah. In what way? Well, you have people are so invested in this diet and they put so much onto their weight. And Mm -hmm. actually, I like to move away from that. I, I don't really talk about weight. I talk about whilst it's, the program is geared at weight loss. It's actually really geared at bringing your body into balance to address the underlying causes. So it's about health. Yeah. So we focus on health. Yeah. And that one person I work with, she'd said for, for years, when she joined the program, her main focus was she just wanted to lose weight. She just wanted to lose weight. Yeah. And actually by the end of the program, she's actually moved to focus on to health and was feeling so much better about herself and her relationship with food. Yeah. It's, it's not about because like weight is a very um, small portion of what being healthy means. Like it's not even like you can be you can eat healthy and exercise and you know whatnot, but technically you know on the BMI scale, which I think there's a whole thing about BMI. I'm not sure how you feel about BMI, but um, like technically, you know, one can be overweight even if you eat healthy. You do all of the all of the things that are good for your body, you know. Um, so the whole idea of like weight loss and that alone being like the biggest health measure for you is that that's another thing, like myth, I think out there is if you're, if you're a low weight and a good like weight on the BMI scale, it's like, that means you're healthy, but that's not necessarily true all the time. It's not necessarily true. You could be a perfectly healthy weight, but eat really badly mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't make you healthy. Right. Right. Yeah. And I like that shift too, of like having weight loss be kind of just a side effect of you doing what's good for your body and eating in a way that feels good intuitively on my own. I've experienced like a little bit of a disordered eating with food and also learning how to really listen to my body and not be so consumed with like the number that I see on the scale. Cause I think that really messes people up is like they see a number, they're not happy with it. And then that number kind of fuels everything that they do after that. And a lot of those actions can be unhealthy for them. Absolutely. When your whole, when your whole focus is on a number on the scales, it actually set or on weight loss, it actually sets you up to lose, doesn't it? It kind of sets up this whole win-lose situation. You've either lost the weight or you haven't. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that actually encourages people to give up. Because yeah. another sports, another study that's really interesting. Yeah. They had um it was a program I saw, and they had two groups of dieters. They were following this set diet, and they gave one group, well, they gave both groups a cake. On one group, they told them that the cake was healthy and low calorie. And the other group they didn't say anything at all to, even though it was the same cake. Mm-hmm. Now, the group that knew it was healthy and low calorie, they had their slice of cake and they carried on eating healthy the rest of the day. The group that had the other cake. They decided they'd blown their diet, so they may as well go and get fish and chips that evening. Mm. So when the whole focus is on weight, we often feel we've blown it, 
And then we may as well give up and eat that unhealthy food or overeat and start again tomorrow or next week because we've blown it for now. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you bring it more into focusing on health, mm-hmm. so you think, okay, so I ate that piece of cake. That wasn't great. Then maybe I need to focus more on eating healthy again this evening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that same trigger for many people of, oh, I've blown it. Oh, I can't yeah. stick to my diet. I, I may as well give up now. I, I'm useless. I can't do it. I've blown it again. Yeah. Which is, which is awful. That is awful. That's a horrible way to like, first of all, talk to yourself, right? Like that's, it's like an inner bully that constantly like, you know, tears you down and criticizes every decision that you make with food. And it's interesting because like, you know, even throughout my own journey, I've realized that that's how I was talking to myself for a long time. And then once I started to really be a lot more mindful and like in the present moment, just because I had a slice of cake, it didn't mean that I blew my diet or whatever. It just meant that this was a choice that I made in this moment. And my very next meal, even my very next bite can be a different choice, you know? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I I like that aspect in the work that you do of really like empowering people to learn about themselves and to learn about their bodies and really just be present and not like have to think that one decision, one thing that they eat is going to mess everything up. And of course it doesn't mess everything up unless you have the attitude that I've blown it. And Mm -hmm. it's so important to be kind to yourself. Beating yourself up does not actually help you change things. In fact, it makes it less likely you're going to be able to change. So be Mm -hmm. kind to yourself. Would you talk to a friend like you talk to yourself when you've, when you've blown your diet? You probably wouldn't wouldn't have many friends left if you did. Yeah. And it's almost, it's like, where does, where does that self-talk even come from too, especially when it comes to dieting and food? Because I think a lot of people have that kind of mentality of like beating themselves up if they like fall off the wagon or make a mistake or eat something that they shouldn't have quote unquote. And, um, and I just think that's, that's a part of society that like, I would like to help shift and, and that perspective needs to kind of change more into, what do I really want? What does my body really need? And how can I make decisions, little decisions every single day to get myself there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think it's really toxic, this whole thing about beating yourself up and it, it doesn't help you and it doesn't, it doesn't help any, it doesn't help the change. Yeah. Do you specifically serve women or do you serve men as well? Well, do you know what? I, I work with women. Mm-hmm. But it's been really interesting, the feedback on my book, is that a lot of men have read it. Really? A lot of people aren't overweight have read it, and they're really enjoying it. My book, is it's got a pink cover, it's got a woman's body on the cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a lot of men have read it. Yeah. Well, well tell us. Them by their girlfriends. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, tell now that we're talking about that, tell us a little bit about your book. What is it called? It's called The Body Effect, and the subtitle is discover what's triggering your cravings and belly fat, reveal your unique path to lasting weight loss. Mm-hmm. So it basically follows this whole process that we've been talking about. Yeah. So in part one of the book, each chapter covers one of these imbalances that can block your weight loss, whether it's through cravings or overeating or through excess fat storage. Awesome. So by the end of part one of the book, you know what, what imbalances you have in your body and how they're making it hard for you to gain weight, to lose weight, sorry. And then as you go through part two of the book, it's this process of making step-by-step changes and each change you tailor to your dietary requirements and the imbalances in your body. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. And I, I love how you have kind of gained a male audience from that book too. And I'm that's like curious as to why, because I know you work with women, but 
um, do you feel like there's a big difference in in the the struggles that women have when it comes to weight loss and eating healthy and the struggles that men have? Well, I think the one very big difference is that female hormone imbalances. Mm, yeah, yeah. And particularly around perimenopause, a lot of people, a lot of women gain belly fat mm-hmm. because as you reach the perimenopause, your estrogen levels start to drop. Mm-hmm. But you, And this is a great example of your body protecting you, but you still need estrogen to protect your bones and heart. Mm-hmm. So your body stores belly fat because that belly fat can produce estrogen yeah. to um, boost your declining levels. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so, yeah, or, you know, if you have hormonal imbalances, a lot of people crave food just before their, their period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are some there are some distinct differences. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because I've I've predominantly, nearly totally, actually, I've only ever had a couple of male weight loss clients. So I've mm-hmm. predominantly worked with women with weight yeah. loss. Yeah, got it. It's funny because my previous career, I was in meetings that were addressed as gentlemen and dawn because I was in a very male dominated industry. Yeah. And I was one of very few women there. <laughs> that is so interesting. I love that though. And I think that women really need that support too, because, because of our hormone imbalances and how a, lo- a lot of you know, I have definitely been like in the past, very out of touch with my hormonal imbalances. And so I would just, you know, I would blame my, my eating and my eating habits on, oh, my period's here. That's why, you know, and, and I wouldn't really like understand until I actually like spent some time really learning about those kind of hormonal imbalances and also listening to my body. So do you have a particular story that stands out to you whenever it comes to working with a client and like changing their life? Do you know what? Everyone is very different, mm-hmm. but I had one client talking about getting away from processed foods. I had one client and before she started working with me, we were chatting about it and she said, but I, I don't cook. I, I'm no good at it and I don't like it. Do mm-hmm. I, if I come on your course, will I have to cook? So I said, well, We start by making small changes. And in fact, we start with breakfast. So you probably won't need to cook then. And then we'll look at increasing fruit and vegetables. So you can have like increased steams and vegetables alongside your ready meals. But actually, if you really want to make progress and really want to bring your body into balance, you're going to have to start cooking. So she took that leap and she decided to come on the course. So she didn't actually start cooking straight away because you work through these other things. Mm-hmm. But then it got to the stage, right, can you try cook one meal this week, one evening this week? And do you know what? She was so open. She was just this amazing person. She was so open to trying. And she really got into it. And she started increasing her the variety of food she was eating. And she started cooking some simple recipes. And at the end of the course, we hadn't talked about weight at all. We just focused on eating healthier. And at the end of the course, she said she dropped a uh, dress size. But what was wow. really great, what was really great for me was that she gave me some feedback a couple of weeks after the end of the course. And she said, since the end of the course, I haven't eaten a single ready meal. Wow. And she'd reduced her craving. She'd reduced her drive to overeat. And she was sure that her t- all the changes she had made were completely sustainable. So going forward in her life, she's just really setting herself up for good health in the future and uh, to carry on sustaining her weight loss. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just great when things like that happen. Yeah. And it it sounded like, you know, as you were telling that story, it just, it's, 
it's about setting like a foundation for yourself, right? To help sustain the lifestyle that you want to have in the future. But it, it comes with a lot of, you know, work, but also just like incredible awareness about yourself and what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and why, you know, Yeah. because before, whenever you said she like, didn't want, she didn't want to cook. (laughs) That was, that was a very kind of like closed minded response. But then as you open up, as, as she opened up her mind to the things that your course offers, it's really cool to kind of see those wheels turn and what was something that was like, a roadblock for her became something that she could learn more about, you know? Absolutely, because everyone can cook. It does. I mean, not everyone's going to love cooking and not everyone's going to be a mega amazing cook, but yeah. everyone can cook some simple recipes that, that taste good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so she had a lot of blocks around cooking, but actually she didn't have to cook every night to start with. We just mm-hmm. started with one meal. Mm, yeah, again, with those incremental changes, those that that habit building, yeah. So I was going to say lots of small changes add up to one really big change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't really get to see the payoff until later. <laughs> so that's, I think, what makes like building habits a little bit difficult for people because we live in a culture now where it's like instant gratification. We want things to be immediately better right away as soon as we start to make one change. And that's just not how <laughs> life works, right? Absolutely. And this is why it's so important to get out of that weight loss mindset and yeah. move into a health mindset. Because I don't promise people they're going to lose weight very quickly. Yeah. But what I do promise them is that once they set up those conditions in their body, they will lose weight and sustain it. Mm, they won't yeah. keep doing this yo-yo up and down with their weight anymore. Right. Yeah. It's not a kind of quick fix type thing. It's a lifestyle change. Absolutely. And you know what? If you want to do a diet, lose weight for a bit, and then go back to your old, old way of eating, then this probably isn't going to appeal to you. Yeah. But if you want to actually really get to the root of your weight issues and lose it for good and make the changes in your lifestyle and your eating, mm-hmm. then you know, then that's the kind of person it will appeal to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say are like your like top three tips that you have for, um, for people who want to lose weight and keep it off in a way that feels good and sustainable? Okay. So I would say it's really going to depend on the individual, but to give you three generalized things, yeah. the first one would be to eat as naturally as possible. Mm-hmm. So try and get away from the processed foods, the refined sugars and all of those things. Mm-hmm. The second one would be to increase your fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. because they have so many benefits to your health and so many benefits when it comes to weight loss. And the third one would be to include some protein with each meal and snack mm-hmm. because that helps stabilize your blood sugar levels, which helps your female hormones, which helps your stress levels mm-hmm. and which helps reduce cravings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there would be three tips that everyone could implement and, and would help everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I love those. And and obviously, like you said, it's going to be very individualized for each person, right? Because all of those things too may not be as easy for other people just because it's not a habit. It's not a habit to like eat a lot of fruit and veggies. It's not a habit to like, you know, stay away from processed foods because you're so used to eating them. So just being mindful too of like, okay, what is a small change that can get you towards that, right? 
Absolutely. And start small and build on it. So if you're eating all processed foods, start by having um, an extra portion of steamed vegetables. You can get frozen vegetables and they're just as good mm-hmm. and just steam a few while your food's cooking in the oven. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely. not it's not a lot of work to do. And, you know, it can really help. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dawn, is there anything that I haven't asked you or that we haven't covered yet that you would like to share? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think we've covered quite a lot of things, haven't we? We have, yeah. What I what I would like to say, as someone who myself has experienced really bad cravings, had a really bad relationship with food, Mm. I used to think that I would just have to to manage those cravings. I'd have to live with it. Mm. But I can honestly say I have not had cravings and I've not had that drive to overeat in quarter of a century. So it really is possible to change. I I never would have believed it all those years ago, but it absolutely is. And I think that's so important for people to know because you can feel so bad um, when when your relationship with food is bad. Mm -hmm. And in fact, people feel so much shame. And one of the best things one of my clients said to me was when she went through the mini course that you can do and find out what's triggering the imbalances in your body. She said, discovering my body was triggering my cravings has taken away the shame of my overeating. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful too, because yeah, yeah, there is a lot of shame around um, not eating healthy, around being a certain weight, being overweight, being underweight. Like there's so much shame around um, our bodies, especially for women. And it's really cool to have an awareness of, you know, what's going on and be able to take that shame away and know that like you, each person has control of their own health. I used to feel so helpless about my weight and my health. And as soon as I started really becoming aware, making those small changes and really um, listening to my body and being in tune with my like intuition and what my body's telling me, I felt so much more empowered and less like a victim, right? Less like a victim from like just failing healthcare system, constant, like, you know, terrible ads for all these different processed foods and (laughs) like a society that doesn't really support health, right? No, we have a national health service, but actually you go there when you're sick. So it's more like a national illness service than a national health service. Right, right. Exactly. So um, yeah, love those three, love those um, tips and little bits of wisdom that you've shared here. I've learned so much from my interview with you here, and I'm hoping that my listeners can take away a lot of these things and, um, and just become empowered to find resources, to find, um, you know, educate themselves and, and ways to be able to eat in a way that feels good for them. And so, um, I hope so. Yeah. So I like to end usually with this type this question. Um, I ask all of my guests this because this is the Aligned and Well podcast. For you, Dawn, what does it mean to be aligned and well? So for me, it means that my body is in balance and I'm tuned into it. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, our bodies hold so much wisdom. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you mentioned intuition then, because in the same way that we're taught not to listen to our bodies in terms of what we eat, in our society, we don't value intuition, mm-hmm. but I think our body knows. And when we listen to our bodies, for me, when I listen to my body, that's when I'm really in the flow and life is working. Yeah. So to me, that's what aligned and well means. 
Yeah. Oh, I resonate so much with that. Um, awesome. Well, so where can, where can people find you and if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Well, there's my website, which is www.dawncookout.com. Uh, or there's also my Instagram that in my bio on Instagram, there's a lot of links to different things there. And that's cook at cook our dawn. Awesome. And in fact, can I very quickly say we talked about vegetables quite a lot. I, d- I didn't know what we were going to talk about before I came yeah. on here. Yeah. We talked about vegetables quite a lot, but I have a really fun quiz and yeah. you can get to it from my Instagram bio. And it's called something like which veg have which superpowers? Do you know which one? Do you know which ones reduce your cravings? Do you know which ones reduce fat storage? And it's only a really short, fun quiz, but you'll learn something about how you can use different vegetables to help the different imbalances in your body. Oh, that's awesome. Such, such an awesome resource. Yeah. So all of those links that you just mentioned will be in the show notes for people to check you out. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Dawn, for interviewing with me today. This was such an informative interview. I, like I said, I learned a lot and I'm sure my listeners will as well. So I appreciate you and, and your time and what you do for people. Well, thank you so much, Dawn. I've absolutely loved chatting to you. It's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. All right, guys, what an awesome conversation with Dawn. I am just so thankful that I was able to bring her on to this podcast um, and interview her because, uh, like I said, you know, the diet industry and um, weight loss in general can be such a sensitive topic, especially for women. Um, I know that for a long time it was a really sensitive topic for me because I had all of these different ideas of how my body needed to look, and I felt so shameful about my own um, my own weight loss journey. And there was just a lot of like really negative self-talk that I inflicted upon myself um, during my own uh, during my own path. And so, um, I really enjoyed having this kind of conversation with her and, uh, bringing to light some of those emotional and psychological components of, of dieting and why it's, it's harmful and what we can do to, um, to get to a healthy weight in a way that feels good for us and and in a way that feels sustainable. Um, Because like I said, at the very beginning and during the interview, every single person is so different. And um, what works for you is not going to work for somebody else and vice versa. And it really just is about learning yourself, learning your body, trusting your intuition, and um, and just having a really good relationship with yourself and your body. Um, so if you would like to connect with Dawn um, and see what she's up to, um, check out her book. All of her stuff is going to be linked in the show notes for you. Um, you know, come hang out with me in our free community, Heart Aligned Humans on Facebook. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, if you have, uh, if you have uh, something to share and if you resonate with these episodes, let me know, leave a review, um, subscribe to the podcast, take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and tag me. Um, I, I always love hearing you guys' feedback and, and hearing what you guys want to hear next. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. And uh, I'm, I'm always here to serve and support you in the most powerful way I can. And just remember... When all is aligned, all is well. Bye.